Welcome to the Shrink Think Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Nathan. And we're both licensed professional counselors in Oregon here to open up our lives and minds with you. We are your companion on the journey to grow your healthcare practice, yourself, and your relationships. To get you started, we've got a free email course on our website, shrinkthinkpodcast.com forward slash course with practical steps on overcoming your fear and anxiety. Thank you for joining us on the Shrink Think Podcast. Hey, welcome to the Shrink Think Podcast. We've got an interesting episode today. We want to talk with you about, it seems like a very serious subject, but I want to kind of dispel any uh, heaviness, I guess, from it, because it's a very controversial, very provocative subject that's going on across the country right now. So just for starters, I know that's a great intro, isn't it? You're, you're like, oh, what is he going to talk about? I wonder when he's going to start talking about it. Come on, get to it. Just start, like, tell us what the topic is. Don't do all this, like, cliffhanger kinds of stuff. Just... Aaron, why are you still talking? Just tell us what it is. So without further ado, we're going to be talking about being informed versus being in fear. And why are we talking about that? Because right now there's all kinds of stuff going on in our country. And for example, Oregon is one of the states across the country that's probably um, in the forefront of this. And so, you know, naturally we want to be leaders on the subject because this is the Shrink Think podcast. There's a lot of stuff going on where people are now being required to make some decisions about, you know, masks or vaccines or their jobs, all that kind of stuff. And that's part of the context that is going on right now. And of course, you know, there are lots of pundits out there talking about whether you should do this or do that, or this is science, no, this is science, or whatever the right thing, wrong thing to do is. We're not going to talk about any of that stuff. We realize that is the context that this stuff is going on in, but we want to kind of strip away all of that loaded stuff and talk more about what it's like to make decisions when you're informed versus when you are in fear. Obviously, we are healthcare practitioners, we're therapists, so we understand psychology, relationships, mental health, and we want to bring that to you, staying true to who we are. So... We're going to talk about how to be informed, um, what it's like to be informed, why that's good, kind of the pros and cons of that versus what happens when you are in fear and the pros and cons of that. So, Nathan, get us started. Intro us to, I guess, what is it like starting from fear? We, as healthcare practitioners, we see a lot of people, we get lots of people from various sides of the aisle. And again, that's not really the issue. We really want to speak to What are we seeing? What are you seeing from your clients, from the various people out there of how they're feeling, reacting, experiencing the stuff that's going on in society? And then how do you see them making decisions, you know, both good and bad? And this isn't an opportunity to judge people for that. It's more of like when you are in this state, here's what you see happening. Yeah, I think the biggest thing with fear, and we've talked a lot about fear, I mean, in other podcasts and that kind of thing. The difference with this is, is that, you know, as Aaron was just saying, we want to address this in the current because it's we're in a context right now where people are having to make major life decisions. And it feels like there's basically, as one person said to me this week, there's no choice. And that's kind of an interesting place to be, actually, when you're thinking in terms of the choices removed from from whatever you're at. It's like it's like, okay, now all of a sudden you have anxiety. Because now 
as soon as you are are thinking, okay, I'm forced to do whatever it is, that also you intuitively know, oh my goodness, there's a bunch of changes that are going to be happening now. I don't know what all those are. And then, and then your anxiety starts going up and then you're not actually in any kind of bright space at that point to make a decision. So as we've said before, fear basically causes you to operate out of your limbic system. So the what system? Can you break that down for us, Dr. Hawkins? Oh my goodness. Not a doctor. Anyway. <laughs> not a doctor. So your limbic system's more inside of your deep part of your brain. If what I always do is I will take my I'll make like a fist and put my thumb in the center. And then um, my thumb would be the limbic system, essentially. And so And that that is like hidden underneath the other layers, uh, your other fingers over it, if you curl those fingers over, it's kind of tucked away inside of that. Yeah, and your neocortex it would be in the front, so if you held your hand up to where it was facing out towards, away from you, basically, where your knuckles are, um, so that your, your, your first set of knuckles, in between your knuckles there, is where your eyeballs would be, actually. And so, um, if you're trying to picture this, doing the best I can here, and your, the skin of your hands actually would be similar to what the neocortex is. And your prefrontal cortex would just be in the front, basically behind your eyes. So it's in your, and then that's kind of an interesting thing because your skin, if you think of how thin skin is, that's also true for your neocortex because if you were to stretch it out, get rid of those wrinkles on your brain, it's only as thin as a credit card. And that's the place where we are making reflective informed decisions. So from a sheer organ standpoint, you can get out of that thin layer real quick in fear. I mean, you don't even have to be that. You could just kind of be anxious um, and all of a sudden you're done. Talk to us a little bit about more about that limbic system. You said it's the the deeper part of your brain. You're mentioning that the the neocortex is more about like making the decisions versus what is the limbic system? And, and also like, why is this even important for our listeners to know? Because it seems like this is neurobiology. This is like brain stuff, medical stuff. People are listening, maybe thinking like, I don't need to know this. But at the same time, we deal with this stuff all the time. And there is like a very simple, just on a very, very basic level, maybe some good reasons why people should know this. So what is the limbic system? And then why is this, these two things, why are these two things even important to know? So the limbic system basically helps us to, it flavors life. It, it keeps us aware inside of a context. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's just this fear-based, rampant type of scenario. It's, it's the part of you that helps you to breathe. It's doing all of that automatically. And so it automatically changes your breathing based on the need of what you're doing, including exercise. Um, it, it also helps you to experience consistency emotionally. So as you you have some experience in whatever you're doing and you're um, you feel good about that and you remember that you felt good about something um, before that was also XYZ thing three years ago when the person said the same thing about this, it really helps deepen our experience in life. But what happens in fear is that all goes away and it switches over to remembering every other context in which you were in danger. And going like, oh, crap. And then now it, but in the overload of chemistry that occurs in that, it takes over and goes, nope, 
these are the 18 reasons why you're going to die. And so your options are now going to limit themselves. Yeah, and let me add, too, as you're saying that, it sounds like it's a very conscious, thoughtful process, but oftentimes this part of the brain is called the primitive brain. So if you think about it, it's like, oh, me, me scared, you know, die, run. It's like that sort of a thing. It's very, very simple, and it's very automatic also. There's not like a conscious process that's happening with fear, and then the response that kicks in, it's just instantaneous. For example... Uh, if there is a bear that's running at you, this part of your brain is not registering all of that in a very logical process. Like, oh, there's a giant bear. It looks deadly. It looks angry at me. I should probably run because my life could be in danger. Okay, let's go. Like, that would be a very logical process. And by the time you got to there's a bear and you're eaten, (laughs) your leg leg is in its mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my word. Yeah, your leg is in his mouth. Yeah, well, okay. Okay, so that threw me off. Okay, so... So please move move us on, Nathan. Let's get back to some serious stuff with that image in your brain. So it is... Why why is this even important for people to know? So, as I was saying with the flavor piece, when it comes to anxiety and the anxiety's building, you then start adding decisions to that meaning you value them differently. So you might be like, oh, that's true. If I do, oh my gosh. Oh, oh no. Like that means that I got to, oh, and I better call those people. And I'm, you know, like, wait, slow down a little bit. So as therapists, a lot of times will notice as your limbic system starts to change, and this might be really creepy for you, but we watch your breathing. And also sometimes depending on the session, your carotid artery, because if if things change for you, your breathing will change. Your limbic system will automatically do that. And we can see that. And we are not afraid like you, right? Because we don't, we haven't lived your life. Our brains are not pulling up your experiences of all the reasons why this is actually going to be bad for you. And so we can oftentimes remind you like, well, okay, just let's slow down and take a breath. Let's just take a breath and start, and try to look at this differently. Try to look at the whole situation. Because what's happening is, your limbic system is informing you that there is only a few ways to look at this and they are all dangerous. These are all, this is all the danger that's there. Okay, there, there probably is danger, but there's also situations in which there could be not danger. This is why there's, there's people out there that honestly are just kind of better at decision making when it comes to dangerous situations and we want those people in dangerous situations <laughs> right <laughs> so like the ability to stay calm under pressure is essentially what you're describing it's like the ability to soothe that part of your brain or to for that part of the brain to be calm enough that they're not operating from it but they're being informed by it and still able to connect to that front part of the brain and make good like judgments um decisions they're still self-aware those kinds of things Right. You want to be proactive rather than reactive, essentially. And the other thing that fear does is it causes you to just overlook important aspects of information because it doesn't it won't recognize that because it's novel. Your limbic system is going from historical data. The new information coming in is not really that valuable because you've never even organized it before. Yeah, exactly. And I like to think about it as well as as the, the old uh, saying, it's a hammer in search of a nail. 
fear is like I'm looking for a threat. So anything that could be a threat, I need to identify it as a threat. And that can build on itself. Once it identifies one little threat, then it's like, oh, no, there's got to be more. And then it'll continue finding more threats or more danger. So a lot of times it can discard important information that is not threatening because it's looking for threat. It's saying, nope, that's not threatening. Let's move on to something that, that is more threatening or dangerous. And, but that other information might actually be helpful in a positive way out versus like this danger negative stuff that we need to attend to. And again, we're not saying that this stuff is all bad. I mean, danger is important. You need to pay attention to the stuff that could be bad, but you also need to pay attention to the stuff that could be good. Yeah. And one thing that I want to add is that we're not, you know, as we explain the fear, a lot of, a lot of stuff with uh, neurobiology is based in extremes, right? But the reality is, is that as soon as you enter into that anxiety, you're slowly moving out of that prefrontal cortex because you're, and this is how fear can, like I will always say, like begets itself. It like compounds as Aaron was kind of just sharing with the hammer, looking for the nail. It's like, you notice this and then you notice this other part of the bad thing. And then this other part of the bad thing. And it feels on a, on a lot of times kind of counterintuitive and actually might feel dumb to try to look on the bright side because there's no freaking bright side. This is freaking horrible. And like I was one of my clients is a nurse and, and he's uh, remotely not against I mean, he's been vaccinated against everything. Um, and with this, he's like, I don't know, man, it just makes me a little nervous because it just hasn't been studied long enough. So that is rational. It's a rational thought, you know, right? And now he's looking at his job going, uh, well, I guess I have no choice. In Oregon, they've just mandated it for healthcare workers. So he's like, well, I guess I have no choice now. I'm like, well, you do. You do have a choice. He's like, what, never work again? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Be unemployed or, <laughs> right, great choices, Nate. <laughs> Easy for you to say. We're moving on, right. But if if he were to get caught up and reactive, there's all kinds of weird possibilities that he could do. And he's he's a younger guy, has a new family. And and so the idea is, is that as as maybe with him as an example, taking in what what does he actually believe about stuff? And what I mean by that is not really about the vaccine has nothing to do with science, has nothing to do with any of that. It has to do with what does he value in life? Because if. Because ultimately, the fear is coming from an idea that you are going to die. This is a pathway for death. And that doesn't mean, I'm, again, I know I'm talking about it in the extreme, but that's how anxiety works. Anxiety works for the, what's the worst case scenario. It's like as if your brain is only focused on the worst case scenario. So in order to reflect on things, that's when you are able to get at value, get at your belief system. What do you actually I mean, at that point, there's all kinds of, of, of ways that you can go and different things that you need to understand about what it is that you believe. And that's why this episode is about being informed versus being in fear. Um, it's a little provocative. You know, being informed is means basically uh, we're talking about um, like what are all of your options? What are all of the decisions that that could be in front of you, all the possibilities it's I mean, some of you may read that as um, be informed, like go research vaccines and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Sure. Whatever. Read how read that if you want to read it that way. But what we're really trying to say is when you can get informed about what those possibilities are, 
and operate from that front part of your brain where you can make good decisions, you can look beyond the immediate, the threat, the danger, then you can see a whole host of possibilities that might not be readily available. In fact, that part of your brain is all about planning and judgment and decision making, which means that's a, that can be a series of compounded decisions or domino effects where you make one choice and that leads to another thing and that leads to another thing that leads to an outcome that you want that actually might be some sort of delayed gratification. So for your nurse client, for example, Nathan, he might be looking at some bad options right now. He might say, yeah, well, I do have, I do have choices. I don't like them now. But if I take this option B over here that I don't particularly like, but it's better than option A, option B may pivot me over this other direction, and that may lead to uh, option C, and then option D, and that may, to, may lead to a very fulfilling and exciting option, whatever I'm on, D, E. Um, I can't count. Just let that one sit for a second. Um, <laughs> but that whole idea is about looking at the entire situation beyond fear, beyond the right now, into, okay, if I do this, then that could free me up to do these kinds of things, and I might have to invest in this a little bit or you know, make some of these changes in my life in order to accommodate that. That's all decision-making, and that actually can be a good thing. Again, it may not be what you want right now because you just want things to be kind of as they are, and you know, again, there's another piece of this that is as human beings, we don't particularly like change. We like to stay stagnant. We like to stay comfortable and safe. And I know some of you are like, yeah, but I like thrill rides and I like adventure and I like changing my hair color all the time. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about like major changes um, that get you out of your comfort zone like this. What it comes down to is, and this might sound really negative, but it's what are you willing to lose? Because what's happening when you get into fear is your body is responding to the loss itself or to the doom of the loss. So, and that's the problem with change. Well, problem, I mean, that's reality with change is when stuff changes, you are losing something. And so, because something's changing, so something's going away. And so when it comes to this, really what, in order to actually be informed, you have to understand what it is that you're willing to lose. And really what it is that you're willing to change because you can affect um, to some degree or to some gradient um, what it is that you actually are willing to lose. That's why it's so important to understand what your values are, but you can't do that in a non-reflective state. You have to be so you have to be calm. So in order to get there, you need to, to enter into a process and probably with another person, maybe talking it over with somebody that's important to you. And whatever that happens to be, uh, or whoever that happens to be, could be a therapist, could be maybe your spouse, your partner, whatever. And then just sit down and go like, I need to walk, I need to walk this out and just give yourself and also tell your partner that you have no intention of making a decision right now. You're not doing that. What you're doing is, is you're trying to essentially let the pressure out of the pressure cooker so that you can come back to the place where you can be more thoughtful. And as you're doing that, as Nathan mentioned earlier, we are paying attention to your breathing. It would be good for you to pay attention to your breathing as well. So as you're talking through that stuff, if you find yourself breathing heavily, quickly, shallow, um, speaking really rapidly, even feeling some of those effects in your body, like just the tension, try to focus on breathing slowly, deeply, 
um, taking long, deep breaths and allowing your muscles in your body to relax. Sometimes what I'll even do as that is happening, I'll even change how I'm talking about it at some point so that I'm even controlling my speech so that I'm not allowing myself to get caught up into the anxiety of what I'm saying. Know your speed on your podcast app did not slow down or break. I slowed my speech way down. Okay, that's too annoying. Um, but sometimes at the end of that, as you're trying to express all that stuff and kind of come down from the anxiety or fear, you can take control over yourself in these simple little ways that can help your brain, your body, your muscles, all that stuff to calm down so that you can move out of the anxiety into a place of calm. And from there, strategically, you're now moving out of, okay, these are all the problems or these are all the bad things or the things that could be potential threats and dangers. Now let's move into another perspective of things that maybe I'm not considering, maybe I'm not seeing. And that's where the help of somebody else can be really valuable. Right. I think that newness comes from change, right? So the other thing that's going to happen is things are going to be new and you're anticipating that the newness is going to be bad and you are avoiding the newness at all, you know, in all situations. And one of the confusing things of that, like that we're dealing with right now as therapists, and I'm not opening a new can of worms here. I just want to put it out there. It's like, as one person put it, I thought that we were kind of trying to move back to definitely a new normal, but something that was closer to what we were used to. And now all of a sudden we're not. And so this person was like, not sure how to be. And this again is just about, we have to look inside and you have to understand what your own values are, because this is this time that we are in is not about being reactive. And it's not about necessarily just who's the, you know, the provider of information, meaning like, it's like we're so focused on the right now inside of an information-based society, in which there is so much information, holy mackerel, like a Google and everything. We're not talking about that kind of information. We're talking about this is an opportunity where you have to slow down and you have to look at what you actually value and you have to honor it uh, because your system, meaning the stuff that's inside of you, um, demands it. Yeah, and for us also, as, as we close up this episode, we want people as individuals and also communities and the society then as a whole to be healthy. We want people to have healthy relationships, people to be making wise decisions as best they can. And that doesn't mean we're not going to make mistakes, but we just want to be able to make as conscious and thoughtful decisions as possible. When we're operating out of fear, we're not, the, we're not our best. We're not treating each other well. We're not interacting together as people well. And that's just as making problems worse. And so this is our little contribution to this to help you to be more calm and be informed and operate from uh, a more strategic place in yourself so that you can more positively impact your relationships and your community. Yeah, we just want to thank you for listening. And just remember out there, folks, nobody is out there trying to hurt you. Everybody's just trying to figure this out on their own. We hope you uh, have a good day. Thanks for listening to our show. 
Don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts to leave us a review and subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also visit our website at www.shrinkthinkpodcast.com forward slash course and sign up for our free email course, Nine Ways to Overcome Fear and Self-Doubt. And you'll get nine weeks worth of customized, practical strategies you can use to get past the fear that's holding you back in your life. Thanks again for listening.